0: In this episode of So Dramatic, my guest is performer and educator Jen Hines. Jen and I talk about burlesque star Gypsy Rose Lee. We delve into the world's worst stage mom, our love of show tunes, and why you don't dump the whole roast on the platter. Jen Hines. Hi. Hi. Oh, it's Hello. so good to see you. You're my just first Zoom you. girl. Is <laughs> that my new title? Zoom oh, girl. The Zoom girl. Yeah. So I want to give a quick intro just to remind people what this is. So this is a podcast about creative people and their baggage, and I invite a new guest each episode, and I tell them a story about an artist, a musician, a writer, etc. And they don't know who I'm going to talk about, but I choose someone who I know they will have an interest in. And usually that leads to great conversations for all the world to hear. So I know you were trying to do some, make some guesses and I wouldn't let you.
1: Come on. I I mean, all I sent you was bangs <laughs> <laughs> because we both have them.
0: <laughs> we love bangs. Women of a certain age, right? At a certain time, you're like, I got to cover these wrinkles. Cover these lines. <laughs> Cover pretty soon they're just going to cover my whole face (laughs) the bags too okay I'm going to just kind of give you a little intro and I want to see based on my intro if you can guess who I'm going to talk with you about okay and I don't get to look and see what the bomb yet no 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 that'll be at the end (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay so You don't have to look far into show business to find child stars who were pushed into the spotlight by eager and ambitious parents. From Drew Barrymore to Lindsay Lohan, Amy Winehouse to Justin Bieber, all had their compasses set at a young age by eager, ambitious parents keen for their slice of the spotlight. But the most famous child star who was pushed by her infamous stage mother would be Drew Barrymore. Gypsy Rose Lee. <gasps> <Ooh. laughs> Fabulous. Are you ready? I am ready. Yeah. Are you, are you going to belt out a show tune right now? Uh, everything is coming up
1: roses <laughs> in my head. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, but I, I'm showing
0: self control. Okay. Why? Well, so I'm not going to hear. Like I said, you need to belt out a tune. That's. Hey. It that, won't be. Pretty. Well, I, no one wants me to. God forbid. Okay. So her mother, uh, Gypsy, her mother Rose uh, Evangeline Hovick, was married right out of convent school. She was 20. She married this newspaper advertising salesman, and she had her two girls. They were divorced like five years later, and then she later married another, like a traveling salesman who she divorced as well. But uh, Gypsy was born Rose Louise Hovick in 1911 in Seattle, Washington, and she had one sister, June. She was known as Louise to her family, and then her sister June Havoc, she changed her name to H-A-V-O-C instead of Hovick. And Rose, their mother, saw the daughters as a ticket out of domesticity, right? She That was her, her ticket out. She reportedly had numerous birth certificates for the girls that listed them as either being several years younger or several years older. Depending on what they needed, so if they needed to evade child labor laws, then <laughs> they would have. That's the re- so disturbing. Yeah, and if they needed like f- reduced or free fares, then she'd have different birth certificates, so they would get like cheaper train rides and stuff. Um, wow! So for many years, the, neither one of the girls were were sure how old they were,
1: and they probably didn't know
0: when they died either. Yeah. Yeah, so they were, they had, you know, they officially had so many, you know, when they tell these stories, like I was either 13 or I was 11. (laughs) But I'm not sure what I really was. No, no. Oh, that's insane. Mm -hmm. So Louise, as she was called, she got an early start in show business, appearing alongside her younger sister, June. They were like a vaudeville act. But it was really evident right from the start that baby June was more talented, better performer, Yay. even at the age of two, they could see. So Louise was from a young age. She was kind of in the background, while June, even before she w- she could speak, was pushed into the limelight by their mother, Rose. The family relocated to um, Hollywood, and then they had like an act that was called Dainty June, the Hollywood Baby, and Her Newsboys. <laughs> I'm sorry, but... So then what was
1: Louise called? It was like Dainty June and Floppy Louise. Or- well, remember,
0: she was one of the newsboys. So Louise was like shoved in the background. Remember, they put like a hat on her and made her look like a boy. So a breach role at a very early age. Yeah. Okay. Did you mention the father at all? Do I- her, their father. So it was just they didn't have much to do with their father. Okay. They were. She was divorced after like five years. Okay. Um, and then when she remarried someone else, they, that didn't last much longer. And it Perry. seems like
1: that was the answer for everything. Is like, oh, we have no money. Let's do vaudeville.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she actually pushed her into film, too. So the mother actually got June in some movies when she was young. And she was really good at, like, she was great acting. And the mom was real good about getting her to, to act, like, on cue. Like, at one point, she told him that the family dog died so that she could... um. Get her cry. to cry. I mean, we're going to talk about that because I think that's kind of where In the, the interest of this is, right? Um, right. So, she, you know, she was just, again, overbearing, determined to see that these girls had a successful stage careers. In their teenage years, Louise and June were responsible for supporting the family with their act. And they traveled the country and they would play these cheap vaudeville theaters. And they basically live out of suitcases and they didn't really have a formal education. So if they're traveling all the time and working, there's no schooling. And even like one um, critic was talking about the fact that they were kind of abused in a way, that they didn't have schooling. They weren't brought to doctors or dentists. Their mother kind of pitted them against each other and taught them to trust no one but her, especially men. And there was this whole theme of men, this distrust of men running through the family. So just trust me. I'm the only person that you can, can trust.
1: A bitter bitter divorcee yeah it's terrifying
0: actually It's um, horrible so they i mean they these girls started working from when they were like two or three child <laughs> labor laws like right? I, could barely, I could barely get my kids to like do the dishes you know they're three but all she did was hand the birth
1: certificate that they were 13 yeah 10 years older they're fine they're fine <laughs> they're fine they're
0: Isn't really, she she just sh- really young. short <laughs> hey <laughs> And the other thing they talked about, too, was that they didn't really have this childhood, but they also they focused so much on the show that they never really raised like to be sisters.
1: They ra- were raised to be competition. with yeah.
0: each Yeah. Yeah. And they were kind of it's pitted horrible. against each other. Yeah. So they really had a kind of pretty dysfunctional relationship. We'll kind of see more of that, what that means later. But it didn't really they were never like told they were never encouraged to have a close bond with each other to have a sisterly bond. And they That's they sad. didn't. It was just for their success and their job. Um, so pretty much a legendary, dysfunctional family. They make the Jacksons look pretty good. Yeah. And later in life, June, when she was interviewed, she said um, she was pretty frank that her mom was mentally ill. You know, she pretty much felt that there was a it mental seems illness. like
1: a lot of childhood actors have mentally ill parents. Like... Um, well, obviously, the Jacksons, or at least abusive in some way, have emotional issues. And I was reading about Marilyn Monroe. Might have been researching, maybe. No, <laughs> so it was just a <laughs> um, But her mom was mentally ill, too. And then she, um, her mental illness came out as well. So I think, you know, they talk about artists having some kind of emotional issues and, like, being able to thrive on their art. And that's probably where the mom's channeled her insanity
0: and part of it too is like you know I, i've talked about this in other episodes where at what part at what part does it become abuse what part is it encouraging and giving your kids what you didn't have or trying to trying to push them in a way that you're like gosh i wish i wish i would have had that support from my parents i wish i would have had that encouragement from my parents and then when does it become this crazy no, you you stepped over the line, you know. And does it depend on the kid? You know what I mean? Because some kids respond I, differently to that,
1: right? And I mean, it's almost like a sports parent, you know? It, oh, exactly. It's like how hard do you drive your child, and how far can you take it? And not only that, was that something that she wished to be when she was younger, and wished that she had that talent. And just kind of then channeled it through them mm-hmm. and living vicariously through them.
0: Oh, for sure, you for sure, kids. that was her dream. That was her escape. That was oh. her. She was only twenty when she got married and had them, so she was pretty young.
1: Yeah, you back know? in those days,
0: it was normal, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, but um, you know, it's sort of like you're still trying to figure yourself out at that point, and now you've got I two still kids. I'm... Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to say how old I am. No, okay. thirty <laughs> is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What am I going to be when I grow up? Oh, oh man. Yeah. But yeah I, so that's horrible. And the, the sports horrible thing, horrible. too, we see that where we live in our neighborhood, you know, oh. you and I, That's like they're going, the kids are going to pitching camp and then they're going to batting camp and then they're going and then they've got a trainer for this and that. And then the kid has to have like Tommy John surgery when he's 12. And you're like, you know, their body's not ready for it. Yeah. Their body's not ready for it. And like it, it becomes the kids get burned out. They get burned out. And I mean, that's the same with, with this story.
1: I mean, they're burned out. They then turn into, um, mentally ill people. I mean, Michael Jackson, Amanda Bynes was just in the, the news again. Uh, Britney Spears, like all of those kids, um, think of everyone from the cast of different strokes, dear Lord. Um, aren't they, half of them like dead from something? Yeah. Just because it was too much pressure and it was, it affects their brain. It's, mm-hmm. Their brains are not
0: mentally developed yet for all of yeah that pressure. I think too I think what struck me too. Did you see that I mentioned Amy Winehouse at the beginning? Did you ever see her doc the documentary about her?
1: I think it was just no, called Amy.
0: I think it was just it is. It's really I- good. And when you see her dad and you see how he gets so caught up in her fame, he still he was, was her life, too. Yeah. And she's, you know, she's exhausted and she's done and she's just, you know, had it. And he's like, well, let's just do one more show. And we'll you, you promise these people you did this. And it's like, what? Yeah, I don't I never got that like that fame thing. And when people were like, oh, OK, so we're going to do a 100 a hundred shows in a, in three months, and it's like why, why, why? No, there's no right. law that says you have to do this. You know, either your manager your record company are trying to make a ton of money off of you, and it's you know, it's like you panic. Like, I got to, I got to strike while the iron's hot, while I'm popular. I got to do, but at the same right. time, you're like, you're used up, and they're moving on to someone else.
1: Right, and it's not worth it. No, it's
0: just not worth
1: it. no, just take it easy, like Tony Bennett, and last forever. Yeah. Or Betty White. She's going to be a
0: 100. It'd be nice to know what their parents were like, you know? Right. Because they've been successful and they've done something. It's like, yeah, I just, and I think too, you know, like we mentioned before, parents who do that and they, a lot of the thought is, I wish, you know, my parents would have done this for me. And it's like, no, you want ever. what you need to be aware of is what does your kid want from you? Not what you wanted from your right. parents, but what right. does your kid want from you? Exactly. So, unfortunately, I think way back then too,
1: you know, I think people were just trying to, thinking of the times, just trying to find ways to make a dime, I yeah. would say. But, um, but it turns into manic behavior.
0: And sometimes I think manic. though, too, when you see these people and how they operate, you're like, those kids are going to be fine. <laughs> those kids are, they're tough, they're resilient. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Part of you's like, God, I I should have been tough. I should my kids should be tougher because that you know, it's like some of these (laughs) these street urchins around in the neighborhood that you're like, you know, the parents are. It's like they're they're the kids are running wild. You're like, they're those kids are going to be okay. Like they're going to be able to take care of themselves. You know, you're not worried about them. We got to figure out the balance. There's got to be something, (laughs) something between between Rose, Hovick (laughs) and me. Sitting here with a glass of wine in a locked oh. room with from her children. Yeah. So when June, so Sister June was about 13 or maybe 15, we're not sure. Probably. And her voice
1: started to change like Peter Brady's and <laughs>
0: yeah. she was out. <laughs> yes. So she actually broke up the act because she eloped with this other vaudeville guy at um, the age of 13. Yeah. Yeah. And so Louise Can we really ponder that for a second. Yeah.
1: She's going to a stop.
0: Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. No. How bad was it that it, you're it like- It did didn't escape. She was trying to get away from yeah. her mother. Yeah, she was. So they were kind of stuck in Kansas City, didn't have a booking, and Louise at this time was 17. They were approached by this agent that about appearing in a burlesque stage, hmm. and the scheduled stripper had, got, had ended up in prison. Wait, was this, bef- which um, birth certificate age did they use for this? Probably the older one. <laughs> the older one. There's different reports. Some people say the mom objected, said absolutely not. And other people were like, she insisted, but she took the job. And then that was born Gypsy Rose Lee. So, yeah. So, this again, the story of Gypsy is incredible. And there's going to be a lot more about her that I, I had no idea about. But, you know, giving time to the mom, the world's most famous stage mom just that relationship and her being so volatile and so erratic um one note telling gypsy like i love you i love you i love you and then she'd be threatening to blackmail her and tell people about her past and and then she you know it was like this this really kind of dysfunctional it was very they said the dynamic was just brutal just absolutely brutal but ever since and no one tried to help her well, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if people tried to intervene or tried to, or just, I think, you know, They're when prepared. you get come across those powerful people, you bet you, you don't want to be a target in their midst, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Those strong personalities, you're backing away. But basically she, we first kind of came became aware of her, or society did when she, when Ethel Merman performed, became, you okay. know, Rose. I'm refraining. <sighs> I don't want you to be afraid. That's I'm why I, I picked to this impression. topic. <laughs> so that 1959, the musical Gypsy, right? That's where we first saw the mother. Like we, the world saw this, right? And this, she's just this touchstone of musical theater, right? Ethel Merman singing, give my regards to Broadway. Yeah. Yeah everything's coming up roses she's a stage mother from hell right so there's the score which is the composer Literally. jules stein lyricist Steven sondheim and arthur lawrence script so rose is a woman boiling over with her own frustrated ambition. She channels all her energy into turning her daughters into stars and woe to anyone who gets in their way. And she's horrifying, but she's mesmerizing, right? So Arthur Lawrence created Mama Rose pretty much out of whole cloth, basically, he said. He was approached by the, pr- the producer who wanted him to adapt the memoirs that Gypsy wrote. Her own, she wrote her own memoirs, and he wanted her to him to um, adapt it into a musical. And he said... "Which can I pause you there? Yeah no schooling whatsoever but
1: she still was able to write her own plays and books which which is
0: very successfully so he said he wasn't interested he's like I don't think there's anything here he's like I was interested in writing a musical about the striptease queen of America and then they're like just you know we'll just think about it and so he's at a cocktail party and people were talking about their first lovers and this girl says her first lover was Gypsy Rose's mother her mother and he's like what? <laughs> he's
1: like, and then all of a sudden, he's like, wait, I need to make a phone call. There's something there, right?
0: There's Maybe so- I should let her. <gasps> oh, yeah. my word. He said the so fact she that- really did hate men after he's that Right. Goes. And he said, the fact that it was anybody's mother was incredible, but Gypsy Rose Lee's mother? <laughs> he's like, I'm in. I am all, <laughs> all of a sudden, in. the juices are flowing. Yeah. Yikes. Uh huh. Yeah, Jesus. so you like kind her. of understand that hatred of men right oh my gosh so they said he kind of discovered the more he researched this and thought about really looked into this he said she was not a delicate flower he said she toured <laughs> the country on the cheap with a vaudeville troupe. he said she had these two little girls and all these little boys and they would be packed in one hotel room and he said at one point he was researching and the manager came up to the hotel room and was saying you know they're being too loud she pushed him out the window Shut up. And he died. She killed him. She claimed self-defense. She said it was self-defense. He attacked her. Wow. And then when that guy, when when June eloped with that guy, Bobby Reed, she went down to the police station. She tried to shoot him. Bobby Reed? Yeah. Oh. So she goes down to the police station. Uh, Baby June is there. I guess they found them and brought them in because she's, you know, like he basically stole my daughter and the police were like you got to you got to make peace you got to talk to him and she's like okay and so she approaches him and she pulls out a handgun and aims it at him and, but the safety was on so- Oh, well that's that's horrible yeah oh my god yeah so again when we're saying why didn't people confront her well <laughs> she was terrifying yeah. yeah she probably had that in her purse all the time oh of course she did of course she did Say hello to my little friend. Yeah. So the policemen like, you are like, oh, my God, they grabbed her, but she broke free. And then she like attacked him, like scratched his face. And yeah, really. And no, no one put her in a mental hospital. No. Yeah, there's more. Patty Lapone starred in Gypsy in the revival. Did you I don't know if you knew about that. And so she just she kind of commented about what she thought. And she said she was someone with tunnel vision. And she said she's driven. She loves her kids. And she said, but she's a survivor. And Patty said, I don't see the monster in her at all. She might do monstrous things, but that doesn't make her a monster. She was a survivor.
1: So she was innocent of her monstrous ways.
0: Because there was a means to it. The end. And I think when you're like desperate times, right? So some of it you're like. Right. You're desperate. If your family doesn't have any food and you steal a loaf of bread, is it bad?
1: But, I mean, she's aiming guns at people and having sex with young girls
0: mm-hmm.
1: and has several,
0: several different birth certificates. I can not get over that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Basically, they're A like, file. she's single minded and she takes what she needs. And I feel like I wish I had more of that. I wish I was more about taking what I needed, you know? Just I wish I had more. Is confidence. She could be a role model then. She is a role model. <laughs> she's my role model. That's the title of this she episode. Takes what she needed, <laughs> Gypsy Rosalie, my role model. My role model.
1: <laughs> and you know, Patty LaPone's that kind of person, though, from what I understand. Oh really? So I can see. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Mm, okay.
1: She's a very take charge kind of person with it. So what else was Patty
0: LaPone in? What was her? What her famous? Oh, Avita
1: is what oh, she's known that's for. Right. And, like, the Evita. Yeah. I don't know if you remember when Madonna played her in the movie, which was horrible. Yeah. Because of her as Evita. But when Patty LePone was snubbed, that was, uh, oh, yeah. Bad. I, I know people who have worked with her, and, um, yeah, she's mm-hmm. she's driven. Driven.
0: So, okay, you mentioned this, that you know people. So tell, tell us a little bit about your experience with musical theater.
1: Um, I don't know. I I failed at it. No I'm kidding. Um, yeah, but you you
0: you. No, did, I have friends toured. in it. Yeah, I but you have toured, friends. right?
1: But I that was more educational theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I sang like you know, like I was um, David. I was a David Hasselhoff, da- David Crockett, <laughs> and you know things like that. So yeah. I'm. I was always more of a character actress, but yeah, I do have friends that have worked with. Um, her, in New York, and she is, she's driven, mm-hmm. um, as
0: as driven as as G- Gypsy Rose Lee's. Hmm. Really? Story, so. so you think there yeah. was something in her answer? So that's kind of that gives an interesting perspective that she doesn't see anything wrong with that behavior because she just taken part in that behavior.
1: She, she's driven. Yeah, we'll just stick to that. She she knows what she wants and she knows how to get it. Yeah, and I think. Yeah. Hopefully I don't get a phone call from Patty Lapone
0: When she listens, oh my God, she's my number one fan. Patty, I'm so i so I'll call you later. I am so sorry. I'm
1: so sorry. Um I now need to be anonymous.
0: Um, so one there's another critic who stated that she's just this classic American success story. You do what you need to fulfill your objective, and her objective is to get her daughters famous. So so that she can experience it vicariously. So, yeah, if it involves stealing or, you know, taking the silverware, or stealing blankets from hotels to make coats, that's what you do. And I wonder, too, how this would be a different story if she were a man? How would we perceive this if she were a man?
1: Um. Well, interestingly enough, I think it's one of those times where, um, I, I mean, there are so many differences with gender where women are taken like oh that poor woman or whatever i think this was actually to her advantage okay i think if this was a a male they would look at him like an ike turner or you know what is is it jimmy jackson the dad of the jackson i don't
0: remember yeah what was his name but he was
1: abusive too and ike turner like they're seen as major abusers and In that male role whereas she being abusive they I think you can almost look at her in a light of she just did whatever she needed to Mm -hmm. do to take care of her children because she was a single mom
0: okay like a mother bear like we kind of allowed
1: she was a mama bear Mm -hmm. and so maybe she came off a little bit more um, likable because she would do anything for her children However, emotionally uh, abuse them is probably not the best way to do whatever you can for your oh, children. Okay, I'm going
0: to write that down. Do not <laughs>
1: emotionally abuse okay. your child, so, number one.
0: Okay, so I, I have to bring this up because we mentioned this before, but so she's, everything she's trying to do, she, her attempts are thwarted, right? Baby June, she's, she's working with her. June's going to be your ticket to success. And then June takes off. June's like, I'm done right? I've had it. And then she's like, what, what am I going to do? And so she's constantly trying to you know, how can we do this? How can we succeed? And so that finale in Act One, Everything's Coming Up Roses, it sort of feels like it's this kind of inspirational, upbeat song. But when you listen to those words, and you think about what she's saying, it is chilling. And it's like, she's going to make Louise a star if it kills her. And I to me, that desperate plea, right? Trying to convince her it's gonna be okay. Um, which she really doesn't know that it that it will be, but she's trying to convince herself as well. We just have to keep going. You have to you can do this. You can do this. All you need is a chance, right? This desperation. She's saying everyone's like walked out on us. Dirt <laughs> under the nails. Dirt yeah. under the nails, just digging to climb out of that hole in that like okay everyone's left us everyone's walked out her first husband her second husband my daughter and you're you're gonna be it you have to be at this this i have nothing left you have to be it and if she can't be a star then she'll be a uh, you know vaudeville star then by god she'll be a stripper whatever whatever it takes and louise is not the ideal stripper name no but that song i like i said when she's like what if, so she's like everything's coming up right like everything's gonna be fine everything's gonna be great and um like she's like is it like sunshine and santa claus is that what the line is what did you say hey i don't know i have to look it up. yeah is that okay yeah
1: um um but, i mean yeah and I, you hear of stories where people are at the the bottom of their barrel and it, it's the it's like the i think i can i think i can kind of mentality and it is desperate. Um, oh my
0: gosh, I can't even spell right now. I just, so you can do it. All you need is a chance. You can do it. Mama is going to see to it. Um, yeah. And it's like that. She's just throwing stuff out there, whatever it is, unicorn, sunshine, Santa Claus, whatever, whatever you want, we're going to make this happen. We're going to, you know, this is going to be great. This is going to be wonderful. I just love the lyrics of that song. It's so powerful.
1: Um, Honey, everything's coming up roses and daffodils. Everything's coming up so sh- the sunshine and Santa Claus. Uh-huh. Everything's going to be bright lights and lollipops. Everything's coming up roses for me and for you. We've got nothing to hit but the heights. Oh, yeah. This is more desperate than the Ethel Merman yeah. version. Stand the world on its ear. Now's your inning. Yeah. You'll be swell. You'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. This this does sound more desperate.
0: Yeah. Gonna have yeah. the whole world on a plate. I just and I love that part of it because again, when you think about where she's at, she's. I mean, how many to get by to 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 try to to travel to do all this to figure out to get from town to town to to get jobs to get gigs for your kids and it's like it was constant and then to think. Okay, it was, I lost everything, and I got to start over, and I have nothing, and I don't know where to start. And then just she just looks at Rose, and she's like, okay, um, or Louise, and thinks, yeah, you, you're, you're going to be it.
1: But don't you look at your children sometimes and go, I will do anything I can for you, and I would maybe be as crazy as her mother Yes, to just help your child get out of whatever funk or whatever else it is? The only thing is, is that she's trying to get it out. I feel like sure, hers is selfish.
0: Yeah. And I mean, do you think if that was for Louise? I don't know if that was for Louise. Louise really didn't no, want for to herself. do it. Yeah. So it's very selfish. Yeah. Her her child's nothing but a tool for her. Yeah. There's in that song, there's another song in there called Rose's Turn, where she's, she's alone on stage and... Um, Uh, She kind of she's you kind of see her ambition and how she's everyone's left her because of this. Like she kind of is almost like acknowledging the fact that my her manipulation has caused everyone to leave her. But she, you know, just that sort of like she wants her turn and you see her ambition and her manipulation.
1: Okay, so Rose's turn. Do you know who wrote the lyrics to that song?
0: Stephen Sondheim. Didn't he write them all?
1: Well, I guess with the reboot, did you know that um, Bette Midler hit, played her recently? Yeah. Bette Midler wrote this version. Mm. Or the
0: more recent version. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I saw... I think yeah, you like, saw <laughs> it, that there was like a movie version, right, that Bette Midler was in. Was it one of those live NBC ones? I don't know if it was, but I remember saying I saw it, so I don't know maybe... I thought it was a movie and I thought she played her and I didn't like how she played her. I didn't. She wasn't my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Huh.
1: Cause I like she, she and Patty Lapone I would see as typecasted in
0: that role. So, you know, people too, I mean, that's, I guess that's what show business is, right? You go into it because you want that attention. You want people to look at me.
1: I want to be seen. I want
0: to be, you know, so. She could have worked in a factory. Yeah. She could have worked anywhere,
1: but she chose to basically prostitute her child. I mean,
0: really? Yeah. Horrible. And I think, too, it's like, I'm um, she probably, and I think, too, part of that was like, she had an idea of how this would work and how she would do it. And because she couldn't do it, she's like, okay, I think I know how this is going to work. So I'm going to do it with my kids and I'll just make it happen with them. I and think she's I, the puppet master. Yeah yeah all right, so let's get back to uh, Gypsy Rose Lee and her career, career. <laughs> so she um she was wasn't a great singer or dancer, but she could make money in burlesque when she was um, would do the strip tease she was a strip tease artist so another stripper gave her really good advice early on and said, you got to leave him hungry for more right you don't dump the whole roast on the platter, so to speak.
1: <laughs> you know that's actually the words I live by. <laughs> Don't dump the whole
0: roast roast on the platter, honey. Don't dump the whole roast on the platter. You'll <laughs> <It'll> be swell. <laughs> You've got the whole world on the plate. Oh of roast. Yeah. So, initially, so there's stories, you know, about her initial act. But she, what happened was once when she was, her shoulder strap gave away, and it caused her dress to fall down, despite her trying to like keep it up. Because you didn't like take everything cakes, off, and right? It. And so the, the response of the audience made her go, "Ooh! if they think it, it's an accident or oops, accident, then it's like, okay. So, she, But she had to kind of include, like, her, she was very witty, she was very bright, and so she would kind of have comedy with it. And she would Which say stuff good? like, oh, boys, I, I couldn't, I, I'd catch cold, you know, and just kind <laughs> of, like, be teasing and, and playing with them. Um Smack so there was someone who had a, like a firsthand account of seeing her. So this guy was like, um, one of my, one of my grandmother's cousins saw Gypsy perform, and he came back and he said it took her a full fifteen minutes to take off a glove, and he said she was so good, damn good at that, that he would have given her fifteen more. That's see now there you go right.
1: So she was naturally talented. She could be. Even though the mom didn't see it.
0: She couldn't perform the way, like, she wasn't the singer-dancer or dancer like June. You know, baby June was like, that was her talent. But mm-hmm. she had this understanding of the audience and how to get them to be on her side and how to react the way she wanted to and how to lead them. She was um, an entertainer. But because, her, because she did it for so long, right? I mean, that was probably right. part of the understanding and training. And so I was trying to just imagine what she looked like. So she was 5'9", so she was real tall. She was 130 pounds, like, you know. Like most of us. I was like, yeah. But she was very clever. And that was what they said. So she kind of combined like comedy and sex, like sexuality. And it was this really casual stripping style. And again, we talk about stripping. It's not what we think of today, right? It's not that at all. She was never naked. You would never see that. Um, Because you
1: leave people a chance for their imagination. You don't put the whole roast on the platter. You don't put the whole roast on the platter. <laughs> and I bet by being a newsboy for so long, she was able to be a great observer Yeah. of yeah. of what worked. Yeah,
0: and you're in the background, you know, right? those, yeah.
1: those chorus roles, you know you have to create your own characters. So she probably had a whole storyline in yeah. her head. Yeah. And just went with that and just enveloped herself in that whole story mm. of... Lady Number three, waiting in line for the roast,
0: yeah, um, so they they talked about this, let's see. so again, sense of humor, um, so again, she changed her name, but she was like this you know, big star of this this burlesque circuit. She was arrested a lot because again, they would think that this was indecent. Um, and then her um, mom
1: showed her gun and everything was yeah, fine. It was fine everything got her out of gun. prison, I
0: mean, but she had a really. Conflicted kind of relationship with this, the creation of Gypsy Rose Lee, Um, and so she was kind of caught between like these humble roots and her ambition to be accepted, right? But she also had this fascination with like the cultural and literary elite. You know, we said she was very bright; she ended up being a great writer, and she wanted that, but knew that as a stripper, she's not really going to be there. She's not. That's not really going to be able to happen for her. And so that was kind of
1: be respected.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But is there anything sexier than a sense of humor?
0: I don't think so. That's a great point.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, and it shows intelligence. Mm -hmm. So that in itself, people might have found
0: endearing. Yeah. Despite. I think they did. And like I said, the fact that this guy's like. It was just what she said and her, you know, what she brought in. I mean, she would make references to, you know, classic literature and sculpture. And, you know, these these were like not just simple, you know, get up there and, and say dumb things. But she, she'd end up getting what she wanted. She got fame, she got money, and she got security. But she also hated kind of the limitations of that. And I was thinking, I just was watching an interview with um, maybe a month or so ago about Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. And how she was sort of like trapped by the creation of Lady Gaga. And what that meant. I mean, she wore a meat dress. Yeah.
1: And I how, mean, that is itself trapping.
0: Yeah. And same thing where she got real depressed and real, like, I created this cage.
1: Which then she tried, she had to recreate herself mm-hmm. to an extent. If I, I mean, and look at what she did. Mm-hmm. She did that, that um, album or whatever you want to call it these days with Tony Bennett once again name mentioned again mm-hmm. but that you were able to look at her in a more respectable way yeah instead of the girl in the meat dress yeah and so you do kind of have to recreate yourself when you I mean I played a mammoth once and it was really hard for me to get out of those typecasts <laughs> and I played Toto so you know it was really hard for me to get out of do- dog and animal <laughs>
0: I'm, we laugh, but, but it's you created true. that role. You created that for yourself. You put yourself there. So, and then I was stuck in that cage. You only have yourself to play. <laughs> Still in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> so they talked about you know again this so this trap that she set, but they just said that she was became more popular than Eleanor Roosevelt. They said Life Magazine said that she was the only person in the world with a public body and a private mind that were both equally exciting.
1: That's actually really cool. Uh-huh. That's
0: super cool. I like that. Yeah. Public body, private mind, equal, both equally exciting. She, like, World War II, there were 10 regiments, at least, that had picked her as their sweetheart. She somehow touched everybody. But again, you know. Literally. She, yeah, she came across her own creation, especially, like, when you think about now, kind of the age where we have kind of these manufactured celebrities. but. She actually ended up getting a telegram from Eleanor Roosevelt about the fact that she beat her out for, like, the most popular person. And she said... Was it a bitter that, letter? No, or she was goes... It a- Eleanor Roosevelt oh, said, said um, may your bare ass always be shining. <laughs> yeah, so... It's actually, um,
1: a, a, another great
0: compliment when you have the well, president, the first lady. Yeah, Eleanor Roosevelt sending you a note. Um, but she, you know, it's really funny because she actually was really pretty much a prude like she really was she was not like sexually free she was not you know just not engaging in casual sex she probably had a pretty complicated relationship with sex she didn't really consider herself to be a sexual person um but yet she's being held up as a sex object but she truly did not want to expose herself that's like literally and figuratively uh, but she said in any performance she would never turn her back to her audience they would never see like the back of her at all
1: so don't you think that this is her ability to have some sort of control in her life that her mom can't control? Mm-hmm. And so she actually took ownership in her life through her performances and was able to overcome some of the, the chains or, you know, handcuffs that her mom basically had on her Right. in the complete control, which is really, once again, another like rise above kind of story.
0: Yeah. Um at the same time, all abuse. And two, you know, just that it's, at a certain point, you're going to... It's complicated because you resent this person who pushed you. But yet if this person hadn't pushed you, you wouldn't be living the life you're living.
1: Right. But she really did do it for herself. Right. If you it, Like, you know, her mom gave her the... Her mom was desperate to make money... And to get where she was, but it wouldn't have happened without Louise's ability to, and intelligence, and control.
0: Right. Well, like we said, like, you know, we all react differently to how our parents raise us, and how, we're. you know what I mean? Like, we all have different personalities, so you can be treated the exact same, treat your kids the same way, but each kid's not going to react the same way, because they're different personalities. Not even close. No. Right. And you're like, I'm the same. They're not. But yeah, so, and I think, you know, part of that is you, there's, her mother did not want her to live the life that, that, that Rose would have lived. Rose would have been a housewife. Rose would have been stuck. And she didn't want that for herself. And she did not want that for her girls. That was real clear. So as much as it was, yes, she was driven for herself. She was like, I don't want you a housewife. I don't want you, like, taking care of someone, you know a man their, your babies. And she didn't want that for them either. Cause she felt like for her, that was her only option. Right. And she resented that.
1: I wonder how abusive her marriage was. If it was pretty abusive, that made her.
0: That or, way. or like we said, she was gay. You know what I mean? So that's. Right.
1: <laughs> right. Right.
0: Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to be married to a man when that's not your preference. Um
1: sometimes it's hard to be married to a man when that is a preference.
0: Well speak for yourself. I my
1: <laughs> oh stop. <laughs> we could go into talk about Henry's the eighth uh wives and what they had to do. Oh,
0: oh my favorite. I, I really
1: thought that's where you were gonna go with that.
0: Oh yeah.
1: I really thought that's what our topic was. Oh, be. did you? Mm. A little bit. And then Milton Burl for some reason popped in the head.
0: <laughs> oh, he's next is he oh good we won't we won't I'm doing an hour and a half about Milton (laughs) Burrow. as someone should yeah so she she described it kind of as like you don't want to stir when you're when you're doing the striptease you don't want to stir up the animal in them right you don't want them to get out of control or or angry or intense and she's like did you ever hold like a toy in front of a baby just out of their reach and they laugh right because they want to get and they laugh you're not you're not teasing them in a bad way. You're teasing them in a way that they like. And that's kind of what she was saying. That's that's your strip audience, where you're you're not trying to get them frustrated or angry. And I thought that was kind of a neat way to think of it.
1: You know, as an actor, they often say that you should not show your full emotion. Like, you have it inside, but you're just trying to contain it as much as possible. And when you contain it, it's still emoting out, but you're not giving them a full emotion. Um, not giving that full emotion. Um, I saw a Broadway show in which the lead was leaving, and it was a big deal. Um, I'm not going to say I'm not going to name drop like the petty opponents, <laughs> but needless to say, he was bawling on the stage the entire, almost the entire time. As much as I enjoyed the performance, I, you know. Um, Talked to someone I know that was not like a theater person was like, oh my gosh, it was horrible. Like I couldn't understand a thing he said. And it was because he was out of control. And I was like, huh, I still loved it immensely, but that's just because I loved the music and all that other aspects of it. But when you kind of lose that control, it's not enjoyable for anyone that's
0: watched. You. Right. They
1: don't want right. to see you out of control.
0: But at the same at time least- too, you want to see something like I think I I mentioned to you I saw Stacy Keach do be Hemingway, and it was like the worst thing. It was like it was as if he was sitting there with the script in his hand just reading the lines. I'm like, what is going? It was awful. It was awful. See, I have seen him twice. I saw him do um, what was the Death of
1: a Salesman, and then I saw him do Titus, which was a, a sitcom. And I was on in the studio audience. And I mean, he was at that point where, you know, he's Stacey Keach, So you just expect him to be amazing. And so kind of just rode off of his own coattails, I guess you can say, in his performance and didn't take it as seriously. So, yeah, I agree with you. He was good. Maybe it wasn't of a salesman. I don't remember what I
0: saw him. In. Well, one of my friends had to interview him. And he was telling me about the interview, and he was saying, "You do know that he's like considered one of the world's best Shakespearean actors," and I was like, "No, I do not know that." He said, "Yeah, he's like one of considered one of the world's best Shakespearean actors." I said, "Well, you could have fooled me; <laughs> it was not good." Interesting. Yeah, I I didn't know that. He's like, yeah, and I'm like, I've, I maybe if you see him in Shakespeare, maybe it's different, but right. well, I don't know. It was an actor. Yeah, terrible. he
1: was widely respected in the. Theatrical
0: world. But yeah. All right. Back to our gypsy. So they talked about her being super <laughs> private. New. I love the tangents. Right. Um, and she said, too, like that she felt like bare flesh boarsmen. So if they see everything, you're, it's not that interesting. You want to keep them wanting. Yeah. And she, so they said during the Depression, the height of the Depression, she made between 700 and $2,000 a week. I'm
1: not even going to mention how much I make as a teacher.
0: Oh, I I don't make that. I'd take that right now. <laughs> I would take that. I would take that in a second.
1: All I have to show, pretend is I'm about to
0: show boob. Okay, I can yeah, do that. Right. Um, at one point, she'd made enough money to do up her bathroom in black and gold, with a matching bath mat and toilet seat cover in mink.
1: That's actually how my daughter and I are looking to
0: redo my bathroom. Right I think now. it's an interesting choice. Yeah. But so once she did achieve fame, she would kind of, uh, she, she got into it. She got into it a lot. And she... Um, Isn't she, it impossible not to? I mean, yeah, but he, this is interesting. So she had these prerequisites, right? So when she would play a club in Vegas, she would arrive with in her maroon and gray Rolls-Royce. And she had 27 pieces of luggage. Her 11-year-old son. She'd have her five Siamese cats a guinea pig, two turtles in a fish bowl, a shopping bag full of oranges, jelly beans, cat food and dried bugs for the turtles, graham crackers and magazines, and this doesn't include the trunks that she had sent ahead separately. <laughs> so she didn't travel lightly. No. Okay, so twenty seven. Obviously, she's
1: she has a little bit of the mental illness her mother has.
0: Twenty seven pieces of luggage, and again, that's not including what came before. And she wasn't staying there for a year. I mean, this was like you know short gigs, maybe a week or two. But the other side of that too. So you have that, and then you have, um, you know, that kind of conspicuous consumption sort of thing, right? Where it's almost like when you grow, when you have people who like grow up with nothing, they don't know necessarily how to do this. If you never have money, you don't, like, know what, how to spend it right or, you know, how to limit it on. Yeah. So this is, this is the part of her that I, that, again, you you know, the kind of the the quirky striptease artist sort of thing. But she was also really politically involved. She was really involved in, like, union meetings, support of New York laborers. She used to go to meetings and speak. She was really politically active in supporting um, the Spanish loyalists during the Spain Civil War. And she'd raise money for charities to alleviate the suffering of the Spanish children. She was a fixture at the Communist United Front meetings. And she was actually investigated by the House Committee on American Activities. So she was really heavily involved politically as well, which I found I didn't expect that. Again, we talk about that private mind that I didn't really right. realize. It's yeah. absolutely fascinating. You you kind of just wonder
1: who she came across in all of her, her time. She was probably constantly surrounded by adults who were reading things, and she maybe even asked them to
0: oh read this to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I mean, what if you're? It's uh, we all know that there are many people who are well educated who never go to school. But if you have that desire, right. you're going to pick up. At, you may be better educated because you're picking up right. everything you everything you want to learn about, and you're going to try to learn as much as you can. Instead of what people yeah. are telling you you should learn. So he's a sponge. Yeah. She was also really involved, in, like every aspect of her act. Like she'd make up her own song lyrics, she designed her own clothes. She was a total perfectionist. And so they think a lot of that comes from her being labelled as the untalented one. So early in her life, oh, right? She has to prove herself as much as her mother had to prove. Yeah. So by then, June, her sister June, she had a successful career in Hollywood, and they, but they June always kind of had that sibling rivalry. Yeah. So June was in a lot of movies. They were kind of they were bound because they had the shared experience, this domineering mother. But you know, they didn't. They just never. They always were kind of distant. Louise made gypsy rose louise she made five films in hollywood in like the third late 30s but her acting was kind of panned that she didn't wasn't really seen as a great actress she was it back in new york she had an affair with producer michael todd they did a, some, like a musical review like a broadway play and what was it it was um there was a spoofed i think it was pal joey do you know the play pal joey i don't really know that very well do you No, No, I don't really know that. I guess there's a a scene in there that they kind of spoof her. Oh, really? But she's I think she's in it. I think that they she did like they No, she did a version of that in film and stage door canteen. She did a version of that. You know, she was doing Broadway. She did movies. She was married three times. But her relationship that was the most interesting was with Otto Preminger, which resulted in her son, Eric. She never didn't really... This was Louise. Th- this was Louise. Yeah, Gypsy. Yeah. In 1940, she purchased a townhouse on East 63rd in Manhattan. It had 26 rooms, seven baths. And her mother, of course, would come and like demand money from her. And from both the sisters, she was always demanding money. So actually, she rented or uh, she gave her mom this 10-room apartment that her mom would use as a boarding house that she would rent out. And for, it was like a women's boarding house. So she just gave her mom this building. It was like, here, stay busy with that. And then her mom also, she also bought a farm for her mom. So she had the farm and the boarding house. And they said that the boarding house was kind of seedy. And a lot of young women. No, but a lot of young women were coming and going. So, you know, there's some hanky-panky. Interesting. She actually, mother, her mother, Rose, shot this woman there and killed her. Oh, and they said, she said that she made a pass at Gypsy, and that's why she did it. But they actually said they didn't indict her. And she said she was, they basically said it was a suicide but people kind of understood that, no, they, they're pretty sure that she shot her. Was it a lover's tiff? That's what they think. But they think because she did maybe make a pass at Gypsy and then she got jealous. And so she was pissed that she was making a pass at her daughter. The mom really did love women
1: and she loved her guns.
0: Mm-hmm. And had a temper.
1: It, it, it's just mind boggling that
0: even the police wouldn't touch her. Yeah. It's hard to know, but based on the mother's past you you have to kind of wonder so she we know of two people that this mother killed that we think well th- with the hotel guy she for sure killed and possibly this woman yeah and attempted murder f- the ex-husband the she's a delight. june's yeah june's uh the guy she eloped with yeah. So so this is the time too as well so early 40s that she starts to her, on her next career which is a, as a writer. She wrote these this novel The G-string Murders and it actually was like a best-selling novel. They said it was the best-selling Have you read it? No. Mm-mm. But you they said um she published another mystery Mother Finds a Body but her best <laughs> the true story, best known- story <laughs> true crime her best known work is uh The 1957 Gypsy, a memoir, which is what the play was based on. The musical was based on. So, yeah, she prior. So prior to that, she released like snippets in, um, I think, the New Yorker and Harper's Bazaar of the, the book Gypsy. And once her mother was dead, then she felt free that she could kind of publish it. So she kind of waited for that. So her mother, Rose, died in 1954 of colon cancer. And she died screaming to Gypsy saying, You'll never forget how I'm holding you right this minute, wishing with all my heart I could take you all the way down with me.
1: That's so disturbing. Oh, my
0: God. And then she, Gypsy, you know, Louise, was diagnosed with cancer in 1969, and she called it a present from Mother.
1: That's whack. It's so messed up.
0: Yeah.
1: It makes my family life look delightful. <laughs>
0: I know sometimes you're looking at the stuff you're like okay I'm okay or like I'm not the <laughs> thank God for where I am right oh Right. you want to look at your kids and go really I'm horrible <laughs> let me introduce you
1: <laughs> let me tell you about a little something oh, oh my god. god
0: so in the in the movie remember Natalie Wood played Gypsy Rosalie the 1962 film yes. who played the mother in that I, I forget the actress. Was it Rosalind Russell? Yeah. I think it was yeah, Russell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah,
1: I'm You're like, right. I'm 95% sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And she was amazing in it.
0: Yes. Amazing. They they refer to it as one of the greatest American musicals ever. I am going to watch this after. Are I'll you? i watch it after. Okay. Oh, totally. Yeah. I play, so I literally, you know, when I'm in my, I work at my dining room table, and I'll be like, you know, uh, Alexa, play Broadway show tunes. Or I'll say, Alexa, play the soundtrack for Gypsy. Or Alexa, play the soundtrack for Jesus Christ Superstar. I I listen to musicals all the time. Huh. That
1: surprises me. It does? (laughs) Not at all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I might know someone that does the same thing, and my children hate it. Which is why. So when my kids were little, we you know, we had the DVD player in the car, and they would say, mom put on a show and I'd go curtains up light the light (laughs) and my husband always go don't ever ask your mom to put on a show unless you want your mom to put on a show (laughs) uh you know it's
1: pretty interesting though like Natalie Wood playing that role too is I think very telling of her life as well because I think her mom was very much like Gypsy's mom. I, I think there was a lot of um, typecasting in that. Yeah. Rosalind I, Russell was I, a very strong female as well.
0: That Natalie very, Wood no was nonsense. just... Why didn't we talk about her? I mean, I my lord. You know what? Did you what just is... watch that new documentary about her? It's really oh, good. She's... I worshipped
1: her for a very long time. Did you? She was, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to be her when I grew up.
0: She's beautiful.
1: Except I did not want to get thrown out of a boat by christopher walken (laughs) that was the only difference
0: i wanted her up until that when he throws her off the boat or robert wagner you don't think robert wagner pushed her off i don't think it was a team effort here's my take on that i don't think either of them pushed her off but i think she was real drunk and they didn't watch her they didn't watch her she was wasted but I don't know. They reopened that case. Yeah, that's that's Basically. what the documentary was about. It was very interesting. So where did you watch
1: that? Was that on Netflix? Or... Probably, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I, um, like, read so many biographies on that
0: one. Really?
1: Yeah, I went through a phase of her and Marilyn Monroe, in which I just was just so fascinated. Because, honestly, I think artists of any kind have some sort of mental illness or some sort of emotional baggage that gets them to be where they are and so amazing at what they they do and they overcome overcome so many things and i you know the story of gypsy she is a wackadoo because of her mother
0: but at the same time she overcame so much and she was in control despite her mother and that's a common theme in a lot of of these episodes is the idea of, do you think you need to suffer for your art? Do you think the best art comes from suffering? Can it come from a place of absolute happiness and, and perfect joy? And I, I think you have to suffer for your art. I think you do need bad I think all lessons,
1: all lessons that you learn have to be suffered in some way. I mean, you only have read what people know about her. But to, to even just get a, an idea or like try to figure out what the heck she was going through emotionally as a child i mean just asking your child to lie about your age i think is is i mean it was nothing compared to probably all the other things that they had to do and she probably escaped another adult just to try to get any kind of normalcy yeah her mom's nuts
0: but again like we i do i really think and you know the premise right is creative people in their baggage because i think that's what makes the best stories right <laughs> Well, it really does. You look at people and it's like, there's nothing here. Boring. You know, let's get... <laughs> Your life was perfect? Oh. Next? I gotta go. Well, if you're gonna put the whole roast on the plate, I'm not watching. <laughs> yeah, so... The, the writing of that book and the musical basically gave her a steady income for the rest of her life. But
1: it also led to it further... much longer after her mother died.
0: Yeah, so mom was 54. She was... Well, she was diagnosed in sixty nine. I don't remember if she died sixty nine, but that really kind of actually hurt her relationship with June even more. Because June, the really- mother's death or the writing, the the the, the writing of Gypsy and the play, yes, because June felt like she took issue with her portrayal uh, in that, and that, and that of her mother, and she just actually they said she quieted down when she got a huge cash payout, but normally does quiet people down. So the show opened in New York and she she refused to attend because she yes, felt either. like she did eventually, she did go. But here's what was interesting. So, again, it's very easy to just say, oh, she was just jealous of her sister. But, you know, the real life June was not, you know, people who described her and talked about her said she was not a bitter, you know, jealous person who resented the success of her sister. She hoped that her own achievements would not be entirely eclipsed by the, her sister. But she just said, I just don't like the fact that I disappear. That nothing is ever mentioned about the fact that I went out and that I became somebody. You know, it's like she's she leaves the play and you never hear from her again. So she wanted her story to be a part of it. more. She just didn't like that. She was kind of like portrayed as like you were kind of a success and now you're done, you know, which makes sense. She's like, I wasn't a fully developed character. And she said, I cherish and I'm extremely proud of my childhood. If you'd been a child, a phenomenon, really someone who earned fifteen hundred dollars a week who was a headliner with all the applause and laughter and raising that glorious vaudeville family and then see yourself portrayed as a no-talent whining nothing? Well, that hurts. (laughs) Yeah, that would do it. Yeah. She actually wrote her own memoirs about it, about the whole thing. But she said, had her older sister shown any evidence of talent that could be used as mother's escape from an unhappy marriage as her passport to life, I would never have been born. Because mother would have taken her off to Hollywood at the age of two. You know, she, because she was born four years later and she had the talent. She's like, Louise didn't have the talent. That's why my mom, that's why she had another baby. She was trying to get a kid with talent. So she said she was two. She was this, you know, she was in films. You know, she was successful. She said by seven, she was a star. And she said, I loved being me. I loved being that person. I love the role. I love vaudeville, she said. But once she kind of saw the writing on the wall that this is not going anywhere, vaudeville days are going to be numbered, She said, instead of preparing for the next step, which is what I was so anxious to do at the age of 12, mother kept me in the same act, the same material, the same everything. And she just said, I just was tired of it. So I rebelled and I had to get out of there any way I could. So that was when she, you know, married that guy and took off. As her fame started to kind of dwindle, her sister's career took off. But she talked about one time her mother introduced them, the sisters, and said, I'm the mother of, of Gypsy Rose Lee and this is my baby. She used to be somebody. Ouch. oh god so there's a sensitivity there right so her sister's saying you're kind of nothing like like you disappear and then her mother's saying that later so there's a wound there that she's pushing that her sister's pushing on in the book and in the play and that was that makes sense that that would bother you right that's fair but I mean wouldn't you be bitter too if your sister left you with your mother
1: That was a psycho yeah I mean that's her revenge you are going to fall off as a character because you fell out of my life. You, you left. Escaped
0: yeah. And I yeah. didn't. You're not here in the story because you're not here. Because you suck. <laughs> yeah. Because you made it. I made it
1: on my own, but you made it away from her. But remember,
0: June was younger. June was four years younger.
1: It's the responsibility of the oldest child. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She but prettier. June had, she had films and she would make guest appearances on TV. She was in. I've never so heard of her. <laughs> yeah, she was had the June Havoc show in the 1964 series. You don't remember that? She wreaked havoc. I've been waiting to say that for an oh, hour. God. You're welcome. <laughs> she was in what some Broadway plays. She got uh, Tony Award nominations, one for Best Director. She... But she never oh. got a letter from Eleanor Roosevelt. No, but one at one role she did play, which you should know this, is she played Miss Hannigan in the musical Annie in 1982. Holy cow, so she lived a lot longer. Yeah. She died in 2010. Was she in the original cast or I don't 82, so she could have been. Right? Do you know who was a childhood
1: star in that musical that helped her family who was wickedly poor? Uh uh Wait, hold, um Sarah She's Jessica in the news a lot. Yes. Yeah. Another person when you said childhood star, she literally And that's the story I've read. Um, Her family was dirt poor. They were barely eating. And she decided that she was going to audition for a Broadway play. And she got one of the supporting roles and then ended up actually being Annie. And her brother then followed her lead. And he somehow, I think he was in the play too. So her brother and her were the breadwinners of her family. So you would think June probably took her under her wing, like, oh, come here, poor baby.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I I mean, you kind of get a sense that she would definitely be sympathetic to that. I just, Annie's one of my, another one, you know, had the album for that too, like knew every word, right?
1: Well, we grew up around the same time, I'm assuming. Yeah. And I know like when I was in junior high or like uh, Girl Scout camp. That was like all we sang was tomorrow because the movie came out around in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And we it was like a sing off. Like we just thought we were all so great at it. And we would just sing it all the time on the phone anywhere. We didn't you know, we didn't have the cell phones. Back I love on.
0: it. Yeah, I love it. It's, like,
1: I, it's a great musical. It actually really is. I, I just, Mrs. I... Hannigan is the role that is is so underappreciated.
0: Yeah, I love Carol he, Burnett as Miss Hannigan. She was so good, right? She was brilliant yeah. in that
1: role. And Bernadette Peters and uh,
0: Tim Curry. Yes, I love Tim Curry. I mean, that was a great cast. I just, you know how they were doing those reboots kind of thing where they read the script for different shows? Have you seen that? Did you see the. During the COVID times? Did you see the Rocky Horror Picture show they did, a live reading of it? No. It was awful. Was it was it? unwatchable. They, they had kind of fun with they'd intersperse. they'd had, like, pre-made videos, like music videos, so they'd have, like, Jack Black would do something, you know. make like, it more fun. But Tim Curry was trying to play his role, but, like, he's had, like, a stroke. Right, so it was probably hard. Was Susan Sarandon in it? Or did she ditch it, because she's too famous? I don't remember if she was in it. And then was it Barry Bostwick? Who was the man? Yeah, Barry Bostwick. I think he was in it. I think he was in it for a little bit. They had different people kind of come in and play the different parts, like, you know, not the same people okay. all the time. Concept was great, but it was like Tim Curry was like, he wasn't saying his lines. So other people then were saying it for him. And then he oh, would say it. Sad. And it was just like, I, I had to turn it off. I couldn't take it. Oh, that's it. sad. I took the kids to see that Rocky Horror Picture Show. Did you, did you do the Time Warp, though? Yes. Oh, I had to. Yeah, I had to watch the Time Warp and I had to do it. I had to jump up and do it. In the living room? Mm-hmm. I In did. front of your There's children? Room. They wouldn't watch it with me. Yeah, no, we I went to see it to the left. We went to see it a few years ago. Maybe two, maybe two or maybe Music two. Music box? Ago. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. It's a blast. That was the first time I used a fake ID. <laughs> I just said that I was 18. I wasn't 18 when I saw it for the first time. But I think I was 16 and I borrowed an ID.
0: To get and into I that. They probably did not let in anyways.
1: <laughs> I was a rule follower, so it was very difficult for me. Very stressful. It's the first time I really understood what a virgin was too.
0: Right. So that, so we walked in and they said to me, are you a virgin? I said, no. And then they asked my husband, they go, are you a virgin? He goes, yes. And both kids looked at him and are like, <laughs> what? I'm so confused. Right like, now. yeah, right, right. So they're like, yes, I'm a virgin. Yes, I'm a virgin. Then they asked Patty. He's like, yes, I am too. And they're like, what?
1: It's like your first time going to Disney.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. Did they like it? They did, and I told them nothing about it. I told them nothing. My them nothing. kids would hate it. They loved it. They didn't know what to make of it. We got in the car, and I go, what'd you think? They go, they were still trying to process what happened. They were like, what the heck? It was so crazy. People throwing loaves of bread and everything, too. And you bought a kit with all the stuff in it. When you walked in the door, they had it all for you. How pathetic is our lives now that you get kits? Yeah. You didn't, like, sneak it underneath your
1: jackets or anything.
0: Yeah. It was all set up. It was great. It was great. I'd go back in a second. Oh, It's um, okay. So tangent again, back to <laughs> yeah. yeah, back to what are we talking about? Oh, so mm-hmm. June. So June actually, she died of natural causes in. She was ninety-seven in two thousand ten.
1: Wow. So who yeah. had the last laugh there? Right, but this there is was Annigan.
0: there was something really weird because I was looking at something and they were talking about like Jerry Seinfeld went to go see her and so and so went to go see her and they were talking about I'm like Jerry Seinfeld was going to see june havoc like there were people kind of like going like i I, I didn't get like what out of the way life. to see her okay I have to look her up now yeah know. yeah um, so in the meantime so gypsy or louise she hosted some like a San francisco morning show she had a Los Angeles home and it was like she had pictures by um Pablo Picasso and Chagall and just all these Beautiful paintings that the artists themselves would have given to her. She died of lung cancer in 1970. And she left an estate worth $3 million. So she's buried in Inglewood Park Cemetery in California.
1: Can I share a quote from her?
0: Yeah. From June? From June, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, which I think says a lot. My sister was beautiful and clever and ruthless. My mother was endearing and adorable and lethal they were the same person i was the fool of the family the one who thought i really was loved for me for myself very fascinating she was not she became the observer so i think
0: and like i said was the observer in the beginning and then in the end when there was the one when i was reading about like who went to go see her like before like they knew she was dying people. i was like it was such an weird mix of people. I mean, it wasn't like crazy, like, you know, outlandish stars. It was like you're kind of but but very, very famous people going to kind of like pay tribute to June and going to see her and going to kind of like kiss the ring almost knowing that she was gonna pass. So I wonder
1: if Jerry Seinfeld's parents were good friends with June. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because they were in that type of that comedy act. Here's another interesting quote from her. Okay. I wasn't the beauty, beauty my mother dreamed of. When I finally left, I said, look at me, mom. I'm not dainty. I'm not a baby. It's all gone. Where do I go now? Because I am a gawky 12-year-old with no education. I'm not cute. The numbers I had learned to do weren't the style of the day. Let vaudeville die. I didn't want to die with it. Um, but she was convinced vaudeville will come back. And I said, I know I'm only 12 years old but there is something out there better than this.
0: Yeah. And so it, that was kind of, you know, she had said that where she was tired of the same old act. It's like, this is old. This is dated. Yeah. This is, we need something I want. I can do better or I can do different. Um, and her I'm mom, not the cute her, kid anymore. Yeah. How long would her mom have milked that act? Well,
1: depending on how many birth certificates she had, <laughs> you would never know. <laughs>
0: forever and ever
1: i i love
0: this june havoc looking at her quotes yeah it's so that's so funny that you said that because i was pleasantly surprised because she's i love the stories of people oh yeah gorgeous i love gorgeous and look at the emotion in her face i love the stories of the people whose voice you don't hear right and she's one of those yeah and she could have been, though, but she walked away. I think all three of their stories are very fascinating. I know. The three of them together. And that's what's so fun about when you start to research. I'm like, I know there's a good story here. But then when you find out these other parts and these other pieces, you're like, the mom the mom alone would be a great story, right? Then just uh, Gypsy. And then the paradise. sister. Yeah. So there's so much there. And I knew that you would be the perfect person to share this with because I I know your passions are my passions. And I haven't had a chance to really talk about musical theater.
1: I, I really did not have any idea. I never would have thought this one. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. literally was. Well, I'm like, well, she talks about writers. I was even like, maybe she'll go with the gospel writers. <laughs> what a fun podcast that would be. But, <laughs> but oh, my God. And I, and I thought maybe you were going to talk about feminism after we saw six together.
0: Oh, my gosh. I forgot that I saw that with you. I'm so sad about the fact that we have not been able to go see shows. I had tickets for Waitress that got, you know, couldn't see that. I had tickets to see Jesus Christ Superstar, the movie, with Ted Neely in the place.
1: Oh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I don't know if I told you this, but, you know, I had a big birthday this year. And you know how you can get those cameos? Okay, who'd you get? My brother got Ted Neely. He sang Happy Birthday to Me.
1: I made your point now. you a bit too far.
0: Yeah. He got me technically ne- saying te- ne- Happy Birthday to Me. And he sang that song when he says, Neither you, Simon, nor the 50,000, nor the Romans, nor the Jews, nor Judas, nor the Twelve, nor the priests, nor the scribes, nor poor Jerusalem itself, understand what power is. He's sang that to me.
1: And do you have a copy of yes. that? Yes, yes. Oh, that's so cool. I,
0: I was excited because I got out. Shocking. Mm-hmm. My thing is, if I even have an inkling that the show I'm going to see, I'm buying the tickets. I'm buying right. the tickets. Like, I'm not waiting. I'm not going, oh, I think I'm buying them and I'm going to go see it. And that was kind of been for the last few years I've done that. Instead of waiting and then, then being mad that I didn't do it. Yeah. So, Did you see
1: Come From Away? or Yes.
0: That was one of the best staging shows I've ever seen.
1: How they created... the you see it this? here in New York? Here. Okay. Um, my friend is actually the stage manager at the New York. Uh, well, tell your friend. So I got tell to go, to go on friend. stage. Job well done. I held it together the entire time, and then the play ended, and I wept like a baby. This is actually the first time I actually... This all hit me. You, you know how you go through life just kind of existing? And like, yeah, that happened. 9-11... But that was the first time 911 really really hit me. Really? Even
0: yeah, it was bizarre. It's such I a weird story. And it didn't hit me. It's such a cool story mm-hmm. though, too. Yeah. And that they were like, I mean, just yeah, it's like I was trying to t- explain the premise to someone, they're like, "Uh, it's a musical." I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> it's... And it's their indigenous music." Yeah. Sound, yeah. Which is even more fascinating.
1: I mean, we could just talk about the whole life theater of of how Gypsy stayed in live theater mm-hmm. and her sister ended up going in film. Yeah. Cause there
0: is such a different element. Well, they, you know, they both were, they both did a mixture of everything, you know? And like I said, I think to love that havoc, she did, she did get more involved with Broadway as it, you know, she got older, which was great. Yeah. yeah I just loved, and I love seeing pictures. There's a great picture. I don't know if you can see this. I'm going to hold this up. It's hard, you know, on podcast, but I don't know if you can see that. So that's, that's Louise with her son. <gasps> that's a gorgeous picture. Okay, and, and he's just a ba- she's beautiful. So let me describe this. So she's like she's sitting in a boat. She's got a blanket wrapped around her, and she's just holding her son, like wrapped in this blanket. And it was just this beautiful image because you don't see her like that, right? You see her dressed up. You see her in the sequin gowns. You see her. So to see her like as a mother. I just thought that was really, really interesting. Her son did some stuff. She, you know, there was, I mean, again, I researched this and I cannot include everything, but her son, she never really admitted that he was Otto Preminger's son. Like, she she never gave him that last name. He found that out later and that was determined later on. But she didn't want that association or she didn't want i don't know why but probably because i think he was married at the time that could have been part of the problem
1: Um, and she also hated men like her mother
0: yeah okay here's another this is just a glamour uh the
1: smoky eyes yeah the smoky eye
0: that 1920s beauty right
1: and don't you wonder if she actually got hugged like that by her own mother do you think her mother ever gave her endearment or do you think it was all like Zekeyle kind of yeah. like?
0: You, do you think her mother was an affectionate person? The woman had a gun in her purse. Pretty much, <laughs> she pushed the hotel time. manager out the window. He killed two people. Yeah, and even if
1: that was a suicide, she probably mentally killed that woman, mm. and she probably mentally killed June.
0: Yeah, we all have issues, you know, with our parents or whatever. But think about your mother saying about you that you used to be somebody.
1: Well, you know, my dad asked me what happened to your Bohemian lifestyle, and I said, "Well, it got health insurance because my while I was living that Bohemian lifestyle, my dad kept asking me about life or my health insurance." Yeah. Well, what about insurance? So then I became a corporate girl, right? Because I was so worried about insurance, and and so then I was able to throw that back in his face. Yeah. Like. You wanted me to have insurance, so I got it. <laughs> like, and, and, and now I, look at me, Brad. Right. Look
0: at me now. <laughs> yeah, it's... It, yeah. I. I'm Like you were saying, I'm a rule follower. I'm a practical person. I was not... As much as I can be. Yeah. I just don't... I don't have... Probably, I probably don't have the confidence to just be like, whatever.
1: No. You really have to have a certain mentality. And it kind of goes back to the sports. Just looking at kids who are majorly successful in sports, they have this invincibility that other kids don't have. Like, I'm amazing. It's kind of like that movie Malice with Alec Baldwin, where he's like, you talk to me about God. I am God. And they kind of have like a God complex. I think you have to have this 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 feeling that you're unvin, invincible to get to that level in athletics, or even in in the movie world, I, I I think you need to have. Very rarely do you see humble people get there. You have to have a driving force, some sort of anger, and I think that her mom had that because she was just trying to keep her head above water and so it, it's called a survival you know you ha- kind of have to be in a survival mode and yes i do have the song i'm a survivor in my head
0: um well i think you, you know you about, like, tiger woods Yes, yeah, sing it just i told you just you i'm know. a survivor yeah. sorry that was really good like tiger woods <laughs> or like the sabrina you know serena williams and her sister it's like do you, th- I mean, those people, their parents were on them, right, from the beginning. Like, you're going to do this, you're going to, and those are people who are like, this is a way out for you. And you have to look at it that way.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. We used to call my dad Bella Caroli. No, did Yeah. Why? No, we did. Why? Because he was that sports dad with oh, my God. sister. Oh, she God. was an amazing swimmer. And he had a mustache oh, and he really did look like Bella Caroli. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you know, and when I would perform on stage there, you know, the audience is dark, but there was always one light and it was my dad's, my dad's face glowing with pride. You know, (laughs) he couldn't shout like he would at my sister while she was trying to swim those laps. But, you know, I think there's a, there's a thing about being a parent and I'm sure Gypsy's mother had that glow of pride, even though she was a crazy ass bitch, excuse my language, but. She was crazy. Yeah, but she probably had this sense, this glow, and this sense of pride every time she saw her daughter perform, even though it was burlesque, because it was something that was getting them somewhere, and
0: people were looking at her and admiring her. Well, it's that idea that I was right. I got I, you're a success. You're a success. I knew you had talent. I knew you'd do it. Right, and I was there
1: the whole time with you, baby. And I'm going to take you to the grave with me, too. Yeah. Shame oh that you can't God. go down with me. The sinking ship. I'm going to that's say that on bad. my deathbed,
0: too, because I just think it's a great line.
1: <laughs> Whenever we can to mess with our children mentally. Yeah. All right, You're so coming right. with me.
0: Do you want to open your present that I left on your front door? Your, front, your doorstep? The bomb? It's not a bomb.
1: Warning, I break into show tunes. Yeah. So that's a little, just a little thank you
0: for doing this with me.
1: Do I really do that a lot? That's what I love about you. Self-control is not my best.
0: No, why? Comedy. Why not? Why not? Well, well oh my God, I love this so much. Oh thank good. you. Sure. No, thank you for doing this. I just wanted to give you a little something to remind you of our experience. But yeah, so that was the story of Gypsy Rose Lee. And I hope you, I hope it was okay. And I hope I, you were happy with my choice.
1: Um, I loved it. And I, I really do want to look up the G-string mysteries. Yeah, maybe that will be our book club. let's read that together hey what you reading mom the (laughs) g-string mysteries (laughs) really when you're wearing a g-string not much mystery
0: Jen thank you for doing this Mm -hmm. Uh, Do my little wrap up that doesn't mean we have to stop talking we just have to stop talking to these people (laughs) right I'm good with that (laughs) but um, please my friends um, find us on Facebook, Instagram the So Dramatic Podcast website and if you could subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and Spotify. I've had a whole new group of fans join. It's been fantastic. Got some international fans now. I'm re- I'm just like taking over the world. And not only that, I um was talking to someone recently about you
1: younger fans. Really? Like between the 18 That's my like, demo. Yeah, like there's your new demo. 18 to like 22. Well,
0: <laughs> that's lovely. I'm glad to hear that.
1: They Good. they listen with their parents.
0: Oh. oh, isn't that cute? That's really cute. I love that. In and But tell them to like save it on their phone and like rate, subscribe, and review so we get more <laughs> likes. Um, okay, so that that's it, Jen. Thank you, and I just want to tell everyone to remember you. that it's okay to be so dramatic.